You're listening to the Berkeley Technology Law Journal podcast. I'm Joseph Crone. Here are some recent headlines about what's been happening this week in tech law. Today, we'll be covering Google and Apple collaborating to track the spread of the novel coronavirus, the Supreme Court hearing oral arguments via teleconference, and a ruling on the use of Instagram pictures by third parties. Apple and Google announced on April 10th that they plan to develop a location tracking system to help limit the spread of the novel coronavirus. The Verge reported that the system will utilize Bluetooth technology to track users who have been in close proximity to those who have been infected with COVID-19. Every five minutes, a user's phone will communicate and store which other users are in their close proximity, establishing a contact network. Users will be able to report if they test positive for COVID-19 on apps developed by public health authorities that implement the system. The Apple-Google system will then anonymously notify people in the contact network if someone they have been in close proximity to has COVID-19 and that they may have been exposed. Apple and Google believe the system will be an efficient method for monitoring the spread of the virus and that it will allow authorities to be more proactive in preventing further infections. The ACLU expressed concerns about user privacy and contact network systems such as these, writing, quote, Location data contains an enormously invasive and personal set of information about each of us, with the potential to reveal such things as people's social, sexual, religious, and political associations. The potential for invasions of privacy, abuse, and stigmatization is enormous. End quote. Apple and Google implemented some safeguards within the system's original design to attempt to address some of the concerns that could arise. The system will not store a user's physical location, but only who the user has been in close proximity to, and will share this information only when someone reports that they have been infected. Also, participation in the system will be voluntary, with users being able to opt in by downloading public health authorities' apps that have implemented the system. However, further concerns have thus gone unaddressed by Apple and Google, such as who will have access to the data, and how accurate the data will be, given that it doesn't account for duration of contact nature of contact, or actual physical proximity. There is an unaddressed worry, for instance, that the contact network could cause users unnecessary stress if the app notifies people of contact with someone who they live next to, but from whom they are separated by a wall. The Supreme Court announced that, for the first time, it will be hearing oral arguments by teleconference. Bloomberg Law reported that from May 4th to May 13th, the justices of the Supreme Court will hear 10 cases remotely, and the court will broadcast live audio of the hearings. This is an unprecedented change in the court's practices. The nation's highest court is normally resistant to technological change, historically prohibiting video recordings and live audio broadcasts. 
the court has been concerned that the broadcasting of oral arguments would alter the lawyers and justices' behavior by possibly encouraging lawyers to play for the recordings. However, some legal scholars, most notably Berkeley Law Dean Erwin Chemerinsky, believe there is little basis for this concern. Commenting on the teleconference news on the UC Berkeley blog, Dean Chemerinsky noted that, quote, the lawyers who are focused on answering intense questioning from the justices are unlikely to alter their arguments to play to the cameras, end quote. Chemerinsky also implied that since the justices are firmly in control of the proceedings, things would be unlikely to get out of hand. Other public figures agree that oral arguments via teleconference will improve the court's transparency, promoting public confidence. Congressman Jerry Connolly of Virginia has previously stated that not allowing live broadcasting strains the court's credibility due to the lack of transparency. Currently, only 10 cases are scheduled for remote hearings via teleconference. It is uncertain whether the rest of the cases scheduled for this term will be heard this way. On April 13th, Judge Kimba Wood of the Southern District of New York ruled that third parties can publish public Instagram posts without a license from the Instagram user. Defendant Mashable, a digital media website, embedded in one of its articles a copy of an Instagram image from the profile of plaintiff Stephanie Sinclair, a professional photographer. In March 2016, Mashable contacted Sinclair to get a license to use her photograph. Sinclair denied a license, and a few days later, Mashable used Sinclair's photo regardless. Sinclair argued this was a copyright violation, while Mashable argued that Instagram's terms created a sublicense that allowed them to publish the post without infringing Sinclair's copyright. The court agreed with Mashable, determining that when Instagram users publish images on public accounts, they authorize Instagram to sublicense their public content. Had Sinclair's Instagram account been set to private, then her photographs would not have been publicly searchable. Mashable could have then sought a license from Sinclair or a sub-license from Instagram if they wanted to publish a photo, but likely would not have been known of the existence of the private photo in the first place. Sinclair argued that this ruling would present artists with a dilemma because they will have to choose between, on the one hand, using Instagram to display their art publicly while also allowing the company to sublicense all their images, and on the other hand, remaining in private mode and limiting the reach of their art. The court sympathized with this dilemma, but ultimately responded that, quote, by posting the photograph to her public Instagram account, plaintiff made her choice. The court cannot release her from the agreement she made, end quote. Thank you for listening. The BTLJ podcast is brought to you by Alan Holder and the members of the podcast team at the Berkeley Technology Law Journal. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by Joseph Crone. We are committed to bringing you interesting news and conversations involving the intersection of technology and the law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please support us by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found our podcast, so we can reach out to other listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, write us at btljpodcast at gmail.com. 
The information presented is not legal advice and may not be up to date. This podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. Remember, don't get legal advice from a podcast. Talk to a lawyer. We are done.